everyone, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Tiffany, and you're listening to another episode of The Disney Download. Here at The Disney Download, we'll be discussing the latest Disneyland news along with sharing park tips and tricks. Plus, we'll be sharing our opinions on everything in the Disney universe. So get ready to have some fun. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Disney Download. Today, we have a little bit more pep in our step because we're talking about one of our favorite movies, Guardians of the Galaxy. So Carolyn's going to kick us off with our comic origins. Volume one. And I think we can officially say since this is episode 11, we are halfway through. Like after this episode, we're like, we're like halfway through all the the movies so like yeah yes um but like tiff said uh the comic book origins for the guardians of the galaxy they are a superhero team who was created by marvel comic writer um arnold drake and an artist glenn colon the idea of comrades in arms struggling against tyranny has been a long mainstay of fiction folklore And the Guardians of the Galaxy continue to carry this tradition into the 31st century, where the human civilization has fallen under the dominion of the Badoon, a hostile race of sentient alien reptiles. They sound interesting. Um, A disparate group of freedom fighters from points across the solar system and beyond unite to combat the Badoon. Um, This team includes Charlie 27, a human who has been genetically enhanced with super strength and endurance to withstand the rigors of life in a Jupiter colony. Um, He returns from off-world duty to discover his um, home has been overrun by the Badoon forces. He then teleports to Pluto and encounters the world's only survivor, uh, Matronex, a crystalline human who has been genetically altered to survive the frigid Plutonian environment. The pair then attempts to hinder the Bajun war effort by sabotaging Pluto's industrial infrastructure before teleporting to Earth, where they meet Vance Astro, a 20th century astronaut who emerged from cryogenic suspension with powerful telekinetic abilities, and Yondu, a human native of Alpha Centauri. The uh, quartet then adopts the collective name, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and embarks on a mission to drive the Badoon from their strongholds across the galaxy. That was a whole mouthful. (laughs) So after their debut story arc, the Guardians did not surface again until September 1974 under the creative direction of Steve Gerber and artist Sal uh, Buscema. In a story that takes place several years after the events of the original series, Captain America, the Fantastic Four's Thing, and the Defenders are transported from the 20th century to aid the Guardians. Together, they help drive the Badoon from Earth's solar system and the adjacent regions of space. The 20th century heroes are discovered and, um, or sorry, return to the era and the Guardians undertake an interstellar journey of discovery and adventure. Uh, during their wanderings, the group encounters and um, inducts Nikki, a human woman genetically engineered to survive the heat of her homeworld, Mer- Mercury, and Starhawk, an alien being of immense power whose physical body is shared by a, a pair of adoptive siblings from Arcturus the um, four. Four. That's, that's four. I'm not great with that's, Roman numerals. That's, yeah, that's a Roman numeral. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, mm. 
Um, but beginning in 1976, the Guardians explored the galaxy and defended it from the Badoon and other superpowered menaces. Writer and artist Jim Valentino brought the team back into print with Guardians of the Galaxy in 1990. And the book returned the Guardians to their native 31st century setting and explored the motivations of the team's individual members. The group became less of a gang of ragtag freedom fighters and more of a band of explorers and adventurers with stories that blended the Avengers-type team, superheroics, and a Star Trek-style space era. So after that, the writing team of Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning were responsible for the revival of Marvel's cosmic comic properties in 2008 and introduced us to the new Guardians team and set the story in present day. This generation of Guardians included the galactic adventurer Star-Lord, Bug, a character derived from a 1970s toy-based comic, The Micronauts, Adam Warlock, a synthetic being with vast energy manipulation powers, Drax the Destroyer, a cosmically enhanced warrior tasked with the destruction of the mad god Thanos, Gamora, an assassin known as the most dangerous woman in the galaxy, Groot, a tree-like alien possessing spectacular regenerative powers, Jack Flagg, a former protege of Captain America. Mantis, a martial artist whose range of, uh, with a range of mental abilities. Uh, Rocket Raccoon, an, anthropomorph- an anthropomorphic, that's a word, uh, raccoon, the team's tactician and weapons expert. Nova, a member of a corps of interstellar peacekeepers. And Cosmo, a Soviet space dog whose experimental capsule drifted off course, leaving him imbued with telekinetic and psychokinetic powers. This series and the original one were linked through the presence of Vance Astro, uh, now known as Major victory who's also appeared as a member of the revamped team awesome so we're gonna jump into the this film so um, marvel studios president kevin feige first mentioned the guardians of the galaxy as a potential film at the 2010 san diego comic-con international stating there are some titles too like guardians of the galaxy i think they've been revamped recently in a fun way in the comic book and it was announced that the film was in active, de- active development at the 2012 San Diego conference during the Marvel Studios panel. Uh, Feige said the film's uh, uh, team would consist of the characters Star-Lord, Drax, the Destroyer, Gamora, Groot, and Rocket Raccoon. And then in August of 2012, James Gunn entered talks to direct the film, and in September of 2012, Gunn confirmed that he had signed on to direct the film and rewrite the script for them. Chris Pratt was cast as Star-Lord in February of 2013 as part of the multi-film deal that he signed with Marvel. In mid-March, Dave Bautista was signed to play Drax the Destroyer, and in April of 2013, uh, Zoe Saldana entered the negotiations to play Gamora. In the- and it was confirmed that she had been cast later that month so by this point in time lee pace was in final negotiation negotiations to play the villain of the film as well so victoria alonzo an executive producer on the film said that filming began in june of 2013 she also said that both rocket and groot would be creative through a combination of cgi and motion capture In November 2013, Gunn stated that he attempted to use as many practical effects as possible while filming to aid the use of CGI and motion capture during uh, post-production. 
In December of 2013, Marvel confirmed that Vin Diesel would voice Groot, and by the end of May 2014, Josh Brolin was revealed to be the voice of Thanos. So now we're going to get into some of our movie facts. So Tiff, do you want to start us off with these? Yeah, so the first one is that upwards of 1,000 prosthetic makeup applications and 2,000 molds of different colored aliens were used in this film. Crazy. So cool. Um, special effects makeup designer David White made two life science versions of Rocket and a bust of Groot to aid for the visual effects of this film. The next one is that in the pre-credit screen of Baby Groot Dancing, Gunn stated that he himself danced to provide the motion reference for the animators. Yeah, and he actually did that for like a lot of Rocket and Groot stuff as well. I watched yeah. some special features. It was really cool. Um, so Ronan, who is the villain in this film, his gigantic spaceship, the Dark Aster, is as big as the Empire State Building turned over 11 times. So like, think about how massive that is crazy um the next one is that in order to help properly capture what the big screen version of rocket should look like james gunn had a real raccoon named oreo brought to set not only did he um like james gunn or sorry not only did the animal prove to be very helpful in the production but it said in the bonus features that oreo was the basis for a lot of what rocket is (laughs) and he also took him to the film's premiere Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, Vin Diesel recorded all of his lines in several different languages, including Russian, Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, German, and French, so they could use his real voice in the film all around the world. Um, one thing I heard, I can't even remember where I heard it or if it's even true, so don't quote me, but I did hear that um, <laughs> Vin Diesel had, like, a script of what Groot was, like, saying for oh, like, yeah. how he was supposed to do that, so I'm like, I mm-hmm. want to know what was on that script. Yeah, so, like, anytime Vin Diesel says, I, I, I have, I don't know where I heard it or when I heard it, but, yeah, anytime um, he says, I am Groot, James Gunn basically gave him, like, the interpretation of what that I am Groot is, and so, like, there's sometimes you can tell, obviously, because they're in a conversation and, like, Rocket, like, is talking to him, um, so you kind of, like, get what he's saying, but, yeah, so that's how he, like, knows how to inflect each I am Groot, which is pretty cool so funny um the next fun fact is that james gunn stated that chris pratt's audition was so good he was prepared to offer him the role even if pratt did not lose weight or get in shape at the time gunn joked that he was willing to cgi a six-pack on pratt's body however pratt asked gunn to give him six months to lose 50 pounds and he ended up losing 60 pounds mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny could you imagine yeah these are cgi no i mean i've been watching parks and rec with chris pratt and he's like a little bit thicker at the time and i'm like oh my gosh he got so thin all of a sudden (laughs) he got so thin to be star lord so so ripped um speaking of peter quill the ship in the film is named the milano after Alyssa milano who is peter quill's childhood crush (laughs) and if you don't know who Alyssa milana is go watch charmed that's funny um the last one fact we have is that zoe saldana nearly broke chris pratt's ribs while filming the fight sequence during training pratt and saldana would wear protective gear so they couldn't actually hit each other however when the day came to film the scene pratt forgot to wear his protective gear did not tell saldana before he thought 
he um she would hold back if she knew so saldana under the impression that he was wearing the gear like he usually did kicked him square in the ribs which made pratt fall straight to the ground and according to pratt he had a bruise for the remainder of filming (laughs) that was so funny (laughs) that's so funny um so we're gonna take a quick little break and we'll come back and share our synopsis of the film and our opinions on it welcome back from the break everyone so we're gonna dive into our movie summary but before we do that tiff do you want to share the movie info and facts for this film yeah, so this movie was released on August 1st of 2014, and the film is set in that time, 2014. Uh, this is part of phase two of the Marvel movies, and the film before this was Captain America Winter Soldier. And then the one that comes after is Avengers Age of Ultron. Woohoo! So, and we guess we're just going to dive right into our movie summary. So, in 1988, following his mother's death, a young Peter Quill is abducted uh, from Earth by a group of alien thieves and smugglers called the Ravengers, who are led by Yondu. 26 years later, on an abandoned planet, Morag, Peter Quill steals a mysterious orb, but is attacked by a force of uh, fanatical Cree renegade um, who are led by Ronan the Accuser. Although Quill escapes with the orb, Yondu discovers his theft and issues a bounty for his capture while Ronan sends the assassin Gamora after the orb. When Quill attempts to sell the orb to on Xandar, capital of the Nova Empire, Gamora ambushes him and she steals it. A fight ensues, drawing in a pair of bounty hunters, the genetically and cyber cybernetically modified raccoon rocket and the tree-like humanoid Groot. Novacore officers capture the four of them, detaining them in the um, prison. Um, an amateur there, Drax the Destroyer, attempts to kill Gamora due to her association with the powerful intergalactic warlord, warlord Thanos and Ronan, who killed his entire family. Quill convinces Drax that Gamora can bring Ronan to him, though Gamora reveals that she has been betrayed by Ronan, unwilling to let him use the orb's power. Learning that Gamora intends to sell the orb to the collector of Tivian, Quill, Rocket, Groot, and Drax work with her to escape the Klin and Quill's ship, the Milano. So Ronan then meets with Gamora's adopted father, Thanos, to discuss her betrayal. Quill's group flees to a uh, place called Nowhere, a remote lawless outpost in space built in the giant severed head of a celestial. There, a drunken Drax summons Ronan while the rest of the group meets with Tavon. Tavon opens the orb, revealing the uh, infinity, the power, the power stone, an item of immeasurable power that destroys all but the most powerful beings who wield it. Tavon's slave uh, grabs the stone and triggers an explosion that engulfs uh, Tavon's entire archive. Ronan then then arrives and easily defeats Drax uh, while the others flee by ship, pursued by Ronan's followers and Gamora's sister, Nebula. Nebula then destroys Gamora's ship, leaving her floating in space, and Ronan's fighters are then able to capture the orb. Quill contacts Yondu before following Gamora into space and giving her his helmet to survive. Yondu arrives just in time to save Quill and retrieves the pair. Uh, Rocket, Drax, and Groot then then threaten to attack Yondu's ship so they can rescue them, but Quill negotiates a truce, promising the orb to Yondu. 
Uh, Quill's group agrees that facing Ronan means certain death, but they cannot let him use the Infinity Stone to destroy the galaxy. Then on Ronan's uh, ship, the Dark Aster, Ronan embeds the stone in his war hammer, taking its power for himself. He contacts Thanos, threatening to kill him after first destroying Xandar. Um, hateful of her adopted father, uh, Nebula then allies with Ronan. So then the Ravengers and Quill's group join with the Nova Corps to confront the Dark Aster and Z- at Xandar, with Quill's group breaching the Dark Aster with the M- Milano. Uh, Ronan uses his empowered Warhammer to destroy the Nova Corps fleet. Draxon kills Korath, and Gamora defeats Nebula, who escapes, but the group finds themselves outmatched by Ronan's power until Rocket crashes a Ravenger ship through the Dark Aster. The damaged Dark Aster crash lands on Xandor, with Groot sacrificing himself to shield the entire group. Um, Ronan emerges from the wreck and prepares to destroy Xandar, but Quill distracts him, allowing Drax and Rocket to destroy Ronan's Warhammer. Quill grabs the Freed Stone, and with Gamora, Drax, and Rocket sharing its burden, they use it to vaporize Ronan. In the aftermath, Quill tricks Yondu into taking a container supposedly containing the stone and gives the real stone to the Nova Corps. The Ravagers then leave Xandar, and Yondu remarks that it turned out well that they didn't deliver Quill to his father per their contract. Quill's group, now known as the Guardians of the Galaxy, has their criminal records expunged, and Quill learns that he is only half-human, his father being part of an ancient, unknown species. Quill finally opens the last present he received from his mother, a cassette tape filled with her favorite songs. The Guardians leave in the Milano, along with a potted sapling cut from Groot, which grows into a baby version of him. Then we have the post credit scene, so... In the mid credit scene, Drax is seen sharpening his knives while Baby Groot is dancing in the background to the Jackson's vibes, I want you back. But he freezes whenever Drax looks his, Drax looks his way, um, which totally reminds me of my dog every time my husband looks at her. Um, but it's mainly just for comedy when it shows that Groot lives and that we'll get to see him again. And then we have the actual post credit scene, which shows um, that Tibion sits in his destroyed archive with two of his living exhibits a canine cosmo astronaut and the um anthropomorphic duck as well howard the duck which he makes several cameos and other films too um so now we're going to talk about some of the pieces that fit into the larger mcu story obviously this is the first time we are actually introduced to a stone as an infinity stone the power stone uh i know we've seen obviously the tesseract which contains the space stone and then um the scepter loki scepter which contains the mind stone but we don't know their stones yet so this is kind of our first real introduction into the stones and learning like what they are and what the power stone does um and seeing one actually in use and obviously we're going to see it more down the line and then just remember that it is now currently on Xandar, being protected by the Nova Corps. Um, the next one is the Celestials. So there's, you know, a little bit of talk of them, um, obviously, in Guardians. But um, pay attention to this one for the Eternals that is coming up, because the Celestials supposedly play a very big part in their story. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of this coming up in Phase 4. Um, obviously this is our introduction to Gamora and Nebula's relationship, how it starts out, how they're interacting with each other, how they feel about each other. And then we'll see them progress throughout the, um, remaining 11 films. 
um, the Cree, we see Ronan, who was in Captain Marvel, and then I don't remember the African American actor's character name, um, but he was obviously in Captain Marvel, and then in this, and then kind of playing into the Cree purists. So we know kind of the Cree and that they like to obliterate people. Um, and so you still have the Cree fanatics. So maybe we'll see them some more in the MCU. And then obviously we get to see the big bad played kind of like by who he actually is played by in, you know, the films to come, Thanos. So this is our first real introduction to Thanos as well. Yeah, so many things in this movie that just keep coming across. So many things. This is the one that just, like, explodes the world open, like, to, like, the cosmos. And I just love this movie. Yeah, it's crazy how many things I just kept looking at being like, that's going to come in a later movie. Woohoo! Yeah, like, this is the film that I feel like, I feel like if this film hadn't succeeded, like, the trajectory for the rest of the films would be, like, different. But, like, because it did so well, it was like, okay, people like this awesome space stuff. Like, there's just the crazy balls to the walls. And so, like, yeah, it's just, oh, it's just so good. We'll talk about it more in a second. But, yeah, let's let's move on to Um, our Easter eggs. (laughs) Yeah, so I'll start with the first Easter egg. Um, Nowhere is described as being the head of a celestial being, but it's not just any celestial being. It's the one... um, of the celestials so these giants like to turn up at planets harboring sentient life and attempts to spur on their evolution destroying the life and planet is um if it doesn't meet their standards mm-hmm. yeah these guys sound like not fun to mess with um so while the collector tells us the history of the infinity stones we actually get to see a celestial so ace on the searcher is a celestial and we see him wielding the power stone in the collector's little talk um the next one is that the collector's menagerie contains an abundance of things from the mcu including a dark elf from thor the dark world a chitari from the avengers and we also um, get a glimpse of the cocoon of Adam Warlock, um, the sometime advisory of Thanos, and frequent guardian of the Infinity Stones. Did you see all those in the background? Um, I did not. I'm like trying to think if I recognized anything. I really only recognize the dog. <laughs> you only recognize Cosmo? Yeah, I was paying yeah. attention and I was like, oh, there's the elf and there's the Chachari. And the Chachari is such a hard one. Um, yeah. It's it's pretty cool, and then I think I figured out kind of what the what what the cocoon from Adam Warlock looks like. So I found I saw that one too. Mm. That's pretty cool. Um, so when arrested, Rocket's Rocket's attributes list his known associates, which are Groot and Lila. Um, Lady Lila is a sentient otter and soulmate to Rocket in the Marvel universe. <laughs> mm. Um, the next one is that the three circular lights that you see on the Novacore armor are meant to represent the three sons of Sandar, which is their home planet. Yeah. Awesome. Well, our Easter eggs. Yeah. So we're going to dig into our opinions. <laughs> so what did you like about this movie, Tiff? Everything. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's so much to like about this, but I just love how it kind of sets everything up for every single movie after that um (laughs) which is really great and I love the characters in this movie yeah this one's just so good I think just everything about it is just great like the comedy's there the music's there 
like the chemistry between the cast is so good um I will forever talk about this being the first like Marvel movie that I remember watching I know I think I saw like Iron Man or like Iron Man 2 maybe in the theaters like but this is like the first one that I like remember watching on TV and being like why have I not watched these like this is so good it's like that opening sequence with um quill on morag and it's like you know kind of like dark and ominous and you don't know what's happening and then he like puts his headphones on mm-hmm. and, and like come and get your i think it's come and get your love um comes on and you're like what is this like what what is this movie um and then it's just like it keeps going and then you have a talking raccoon and a talking tree and like it's just there's just so much to love about like this film and it's like you said it's just like it opens up so much to like the rest of the universe um and i think it's it's like it's just such a great um i watched a youtube video on it actually this like comparing to suicide squad and it's like james gunn did just such a good job of like letting you know who the characters were so early in the film and then like getting them together so quickly and then it's like then they have to like obviously they're all kind of like opposed but then it's like they all have to work together to get to this like end goal um yeah it's just it's just so good what else did you like (laughs) oh my gosh yeah well when you said the comedy I yeah this is like one of the first ones that really gets me actually like laughing so I love it so much for that um and I just feel like the story holds up really well it really does like it's one of the ones it never really gets like boring or old and every time I watch it I'm always like it's like it's like I'm watching it for the first time like some of the other films it's like oh, okay I gotta watch this one again but it's like I don't know why with Gar- like the first Guardians I always forget so much um like especially when they end up like going to nowhere like I always forget that they end up in the bar and then they have like the bar fight and that scene with like you know Quill and Gamora and you know all the stuff with the collector like I don't I don't know why this one is the one that I forget so much about, but it's like watching it like anew every like every time. Yeah, I do too. Well, because I what like I'm still obsessed with Guardians too, but I went through like a thing where I was like very obsessed and I watched it every night for like a month. And so I forget so much about the first one because I feel like I have the second one memorized that I'm like, mm. oh yeah, that's how that gets to that point or whatever. So yeah, I do like it though. Yeah, I still think I like this one just a little bit more than Guardians, like, 2. And I think because, like, Guardians 2, like, they – well, we'll talk about it next episode, but I've already started working on the outline, so, like, I have things in my head from it. But it's, like, they basically – because, like, Guardians 1 was such a success, like, they're just, like – they gave James Gunn, like, complete, like, freedom. And sometimes I feel like Guardians 2 goes a bit too far, which obviously we'll talk about next week. Um, But, like – I, I think I just I just oh, I just love this film like so so much I, I think it, it's just like those beats where it's like Rocket's explaining the plan in the prison and he's like and that like he's like and we got to get the battery last because once we get the battery like everything else is like going emotion <laughs> and then Groot like pulls the battery out and it's like here and Rocket's like okay oh, guess we're first. going like I guess we're going first like just like I I that's like the stuff in movies that I like really like love um and I, I don't know why, but I just really do. Um, and I just, I love, I love that they like, 
and like if I highly recommend watching the special features for all of these because they had a whole like section on Rocket and Groot and how they worked so hard to make them feel like real characters with like the combination of like having real life you know application whether it be actors in like suits or props you know letting them know that like that's where the raccoon is that's where the tree is um and then James Gunn just working actually so tirelessly to make sure that like Groot's of eyes emoted this and Rocket's eyes emoted this um and so you really feel like you know, like obviously we know there's not a talking tree and raccoon that exist in reality I'm like that they're like they're my two favorite characters in the MCU and I just mm-hmm. I love Guardians for that reason totally yeah Yeah, i agree was there anything you didn't like about this movie i feel like like it's it's like little like nitpicky things like and obviously like it's it's like stupid stuff it's like oh like thanos doesn't quite look the same or it's like uh nebula's acting's a little scale but like this is literally like karen gillen's like first like stab at that at nebula and obviously we see like where she's like gone so it's like yeah, like I, I don't feel like you can really like compare those things, um, and it's like little funny things. It's like, oh, like Rocket sounds more like Bradley Cooper in this, and then like as the films progress, um, he sounds less like Bradley Cooper. And it's not, I wouldn't say I dislike it, but it's just you can see the growth in like everyone as the films like progress, and I think that's um, typical with any of the films in the cinematic universe. But was there anything that you didn't like to? Um, yeah, there's not really a ton I don't like either. I don't love Nebula even as a character much in this movie, which makes sense because we're not supposed to. And I love how she grows throughout the films. But this is one that I'm just like, Neh. she's not my favorite. But I mean, that is the point. Yeah, that that really is the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's just times where it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you just overacted that. It's like, or it, like, it's just not the same. But like, obviously, it's her first time playing nebula like i don't really know what she's done before playing nebula so like obviously as actors like work more in these movies they're gonna get better um but it's like i can't really look at this movie and be like oh i just like i didn't like this i didn't like that i like don't like that like there's really nothing that i dislike about this movie actually yeah same yeah um we should talk about the cast because i love the cast in this movie Okay, well, you talk about the cast first. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I just love Chris Pratt. He's my favorite Chris of the MCU. So, um, yeah, I just love that they cast him in it. And um, I think Dave Bautista is so funny as Drax. <laughs> He's also one of my favorites. I mean, I think all the characters in this movie are my favorites of the Marvel Universe. So, um I just think they picked the perfect people for them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, Chris Pratt's not my favorite Chris. We all know who my favorite Chris is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I just, I, I do, I love Chris Pratt though. Like, I feel like he's probably my second favorite Chris, just because. Well, I don't know. They're, they. Just if all... I was gonna marry a Chris from the MCU, it would be Chris Pratt. I, I know he it loves ghosts too. He loves goats. Yeah. <laughs> but Chris Evans loves dogs. So that's true. That is cute. But he's quirky. 
he is quirky. I, I I love all the Chris's. I think he really is the perfect cast for Peter Quill. Because we talked about this in, um, when we talked about Onward. I think he just does that. Like, he's so funny and he does so funny so well. But then he's able to deliver on those kind of, like, emotional moments. Like, towards the end of the film, um, where they like he's opening his mom's gift like he can have those moments where you know he is quiet and he is reflective and I think it brings like a bit more weight to it I mean we talked about that with him being Barley and and Onward and like you said like Dave Batista is just so good as Drax like Drax is hilarious and then you have Zoe Saldana as Gamora like she's probably I would say she's probably my second favorite like Marvel like girl like Captain Marvel's like still my favorite, but like Gamora is definitely up there. I think she's just so awesome. Um, and then obviously you have Vin Diesel, which he just has to say I am Groot, but you know, I mean that's probably pretty hard to just say I am Groot all day. And then obviously Bradley Cooper's Rocket Raccoon and Thanos and you know, just the whole supporting cast is great. You have John C. Riley. I don't know the British actor who's in the Nova Corps, but like he's in a bunch of things and is really great. You have Glenn Close, like Lee Pace, like oh, uh, Michael Rooker is Yondu, like Yondu, like just the whole cast is just so good. Um, and the costumes, like I love the costumes in this movie. CGI is obviously great, and the music, like the music's just awesome, like. I don't know. I'll just say yeah, one things about this. I was going to say, these movies are, like, known for the music being so good. Yeah, and they just pick the songs, I feel like, so well. Um, like, Hooked on a Feeling, like, The Cherry Bomb, like, just, <laughs> it all just goes so well with, like, what they're, like, doing. And then the score in the film is great, too. Like, it's it's such a great score. Um I don't know. It's just like it's just, it's just love it all. Agreed. Yeah. So, um, did you have any favorite themes? Yes, I did. Um, my two favorites. My first favorite is when they all meet and come together as a group, and they're all like mm-hmm. fighting in that square area. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of funny um, because they're all so good <laughs> at fighting, so they're just. No one's winning. Um, <laughs> it's super funny. And then my other favorite scene is so emotional, but it's when Groot saves everyone because I just love Groot so much and it makes me cry every time. I know. That one is like when oh, – that's one of my favorite scenes too. Um, and like Rocket gets emotional and then I get emotional. Ugh, I know <laughs> because Rocket is like heart – not he's not heartless, but like he seems heartless. And so when he has his – big heart for Groot I'm just like oh I know yeah Rocket's the character where it's like he's just been like like life just like hasn't like gone his way and he's just like I just I just have to take care of me but then it's like when there's like moments like that where it's like you do care Rocket you really do care um like I love that and like that is just such a a great scene because he's like we are Groot and then the, the ship and he protects them and oh it's just so good um I also really love the um the prison breakout sequence um like from like kind of the point where Rocket's explaining the plan to when the plan has to go into like full on like action mode like I think that's a really great scene um it's just like really like action packed and it's like oh this is just like so good and they all like the, kind of the first time they all like work together to do something 
Um, I had, what was the other scene that I had in my head that I liked a lot? Uh, was it the kiss? <laughs> there the wasn't almost, a kiss. <laughs> the almost kiss. The, the almost kiss. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the almost kiss. Oh, I feel like it, I had the. Oh, I don't remember now. Um, that's fine. It's all okay. Um, I'll probably think of it tonight at like midnight as I'm trying to fall asleep. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but we can move into how much we really love this movie, which I think we've talked about quite a lot. Uh, so, Tiff, uh, how much do you love this movie and where does it fall on your list? This is one of my top movies, but it's still not in the top five for me. Um, it is definitely within top ten, like maybe maybe number six. Hmm. But I love it. There's just a few that I love even more than this one. Yeah, I think this one, I think you and I have Guardians 1 and 2 swapped because yes. this this one always end up, ends up in my top five. Um, and I think because it just really is, it's just, it's just so, it's just so good. It doesn't take the number one spot. I always think that will be Avengers Endgame for me. Um, but it's just, it's just so good and it hits every beat for me. Whereas, like I said, I think Guardians 2 just goes a little bit too far sometimes in terms of the humor um but yeah like it's 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 always gonna be I think in my top top five Marvel movies it's just just one of those ones like you can't recreate the magic of the first one and this one was like this one was magical that's funny yeah we totally have that swapped because that's how I feel about the second one I'm like that one's just magic for me and I I don't know why because it's a sequel and it shouldn't be that way but I feel like that about the second one they do like the first one. It's just the second one has this, like, spark for me that I just love. I totally get that. I mean, Baby Groot is, like, just, like, the best part. Oh, he's my hero. But we'll talk about <laughs> Baby Groot next week. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're going to jump into our Marvelous Woman of the Week, as we normally do. So, of course, this week, um, Carolyn's going to kick us off by talking about Gamora. Yeah, so Gamora is the adopted daughter of Thanos and the last of her species, the Zen Wuburis, who were exterminated by the Badun. Thanos found her as a child and decided to use her as a weapon. Gamora was raised and then trained by Thanos, and Thanos showed her little kindness during her childhood, but Gamora was very loyal to the man who promised her the opportunity to avenge the death of her family. Gamora then became very proficient in martial martial arts and earned the nickname the deadliest woman in the whole galaxy. When she was a teenager, Thanos took her on a trip to a planet called uh, Tartula number seven. Gamora then disobeyed Thanos's orders and due to this came into con- conflict with a group of thugs. She was greatly outnumbered and despite her skills, she was defeated. Uh, Thanos then found her half dead and in turn murdered all of her assailants to and restored her to health and cybernetically enhanced her to superhuman levels. As an adult, Gamora was sent out as an assassin and exacted revenge for the genocide on her race by killing everyone involved. Eventually, Thanos revealed himself as a threat and Gamora aided Captain Marvel, Drax, and the Avengers against Thanos. Her powers include superhuman strength and agility and accelerated healing factor. She is also an elite combatant and is able to beat most of the opponents in the galaxy. 
which makes her really, really awesome. Yes, I love Gamora so much. She's not my favorite, like, number one, but she's in, like, yeah. the top of, like, Marvel Woman. Yeah, and I think her arc over the, M- like, the MCU is just, like, so good. Um, especially, like, starting in this one, like, obviously, she, like, kicks butt. She's really awesome. Like, you can see that she's just, like, she's, like, good at what she does, and she wants to be good at what she does. And obviously, she had to do it to survive, because Thanos is, like, crazy, obviously. Um, but then you kind of see her, like, starting to open up a little bit emotionally, and then obviously into Endgame, like, her arc, and then, like, we kind of get old Gamora back at the end of Endgame. So we'll see what happens with Gamora moving forward. Um, but I think like her learning, like we all can learn sometimes how to just like open ourselves up to like dealing with the pain of our past and like still being like awesome, you know, I think is, you know, I think she's a really cool like character for like young girls to look up to, especially as she kind of reaches her like infinity war arc. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. yeah so that was guardians of the galaxy next week we're gonna be doing guardians 2 so that one's my favorite we're just doing our favorites in a row so really excited but um yeah if you want to follow along make sure you watch guardians 2 and we will hear you'll hear from us next week thanks for listening to this week's episode of the disney download if you want to stay up to date on all of the park happenings, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Diz Download. And if you love the Disney download, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and be sure to leave us a review. We hope you have a magical day and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Disney Download.